I feel like my voice is good and deep. Like I could record reading the Bible. It would be good. It would be, you could just listen to that all morning long. Sorry, I don't know. I feel tired. Okay, here we go. What is everybody desperate for? We're just talking about the world. What is the world desperate for? World, every, the whole world is just desperate for and looking for peace. Looking for it. Everyone wants a sense of calm, of knowing even when you don't know. A, a, a sense that there's rest for the soul and assurance inwardly um, that things are going to be okay even and especially when things are not okay. That's what we really want. The whole world's just desperate for peace. We're looking for it in 10,000 different ways, but we're hungry for it. We want rest in our hearts. We want our souls to be able to breathe and to be able to live our lives with a sense of assurance. That's what these dear brothers and sisters were hungry for. They were in need of why this letter is being written to these believers. They have been going through it in their lives. We've talked over and over and over as we've gone through this series. The reason that this letter was written is this, this people's faith was being put to the test. They had been persecuted. They had experienced loss. They had experienced heartache and hardship, and they were wondering, is it worth, is Jesus worth it? Is he worth it to continue on this track? And if you got to be with us over the last couple of weeks, so the, over the, the last few things that the author got to talk about is he said, listen, well, there were some brothers and sisters of ours that have gone before you and have gone through some incredibly difficult things, even losing their lives for the namesake of Jesus. Meaning there was a beautiful call on their life to love and trust him, but it didn't end, if you will, in the fairy tale way. Well, it did for them. And that's, I think, what the author was trying to point as it ended in an amazing fairy tale. It just wasn't going to happen in this place. It was going to happen in another place. And so do you trust in that? And then he turned the corner and wanted to say, and by the way, you need to know that God is working powerfully and intimately through all of the hardships that we experience in order to train our hearts to get us to that place. So not only will we go through these hard moments, but that Lord is, the Lord is so faithfully using every one of them to shape us and get us hungry and ready to see him face to face, period. And so if you want real peace, there's something that you have to understand, and that's how he's going to close, he's going to begin to close out this incredible letter. If you want real peace, you want peace that actually lasts, there's something you're going to have to understand. Everything in this life that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything. In other words, there isn't anything in creation that you can hang your hat on to have peace that you so desperately want that cannot be shaken. There's, that shaken. There's nothing in all of created order that's going to make it through the shaking process. And what he does in chapter 12 is he points to that moment on Mount Sinai when God came and gave the Ten Commandments and the whole thing was shaken. And he said, but there's another shaking coming. And I want you to be aware of it because you're hungry for hope and for peace 
And it's going to, you're going to find it yourself looking for places to hang your hat and go, okay, well, here's where I can have this. But as long as this is okay, and he's saying, well, you need to understand everything in created order is going to get shaken. And you'll begin to experience peace when you discover that there is a place to put your hope, but it can't be in anything of created order. And he wants to look at these brothers and sisters and say, listen, everything here is going to be shaken. Everything. You guys say everything. 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 Everything is going to be shaken. Some things can be shaken sooner rather than later, right? Some things are going to be shaken before we're ready for them to be shaken. But everything in creation will be shaken. It will be tested. Now, there's one thing that doesn't crumble. There is one thing that will stand the test of time. There is one thing that will remain no matter what. And what is it? It's a king and his kingdom. And that's it. Here's the good news. If you have put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus and you have asked him to take your brokenness and sin off of you in exchange for his beauty and his majesty and his glory, and you have said to him, I want you to come and take authority and rulership over my life, and I want you to teach and train my heart for living in this life. If you have done that, then the good news is you have a king and a kingdom that cannot be shaken in you. That's the good news. That's the great news. While there's shaking going on, while the circumstances don't seem to be working out well, here is your promise. You have a king and a kingdom that can't be shaken. You have it. Period. What does it say here? And I love this because it's such a beautiful thing you and I could do on a regular basis. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Meaning, it isn't something that exists out there in la-la land. That kingdom, where does it exist? Right here. You and I, what? We received it, which means this. In Christ, you cannot be shaken. Do you understand that? That's why he's saying, you be so glad and so hungry and so willing to say thank you with full gratitude because this kingdom and this king, the only thing in all the universe that cannot be shaken is actually in you. And if it's in you, then you can't be shaken. You can't be shaken because it's in you, alive in you. And so be grateful that you've been, if you are in Christ, you've been built different. You're built different. And I know you English teachers out there, it's built differently, but I just don't want to say that, okay? (laughs) You've been built different. If you are truly in Christ, You've been built different. Not, hear this, you're unshakable. Not your circumstances, not your surroundings, not the status quo. All those things can be shaken and you've likely experienced much of that in your life. We all have. But you and I get real, deep, lasting peace 
when we put our trust and faith in the only thing that cannot be shaken, and that is Jesus, and he's alive, and he is in you. And so the result is worship. Like, let something inside of you begin to bubble up and stir and move your heart towards him. You know, that's, I, I just mentioned it before. I kind of even got ahead of myself. That's why we sing when we come together. Because something in us has been built different. Something's different. Something's changed. It says, you remember this kingdom that can't be shaken. It's not just out there in the nebulous world. It's been planted in you if you call on the name of Jesus. Thus, let us offer to God acceptable Worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. If you own, hear this, if you own what, is shake, what, what cannot be shaken, if you have it, then worship, gladness, hunger, desire gets to rise up inside of us. Why? because we don't have to fear the days ahead and whatever shaking may come. Because God's already said the things will be shaken. Has he not? He's already said the things are gonna be shaken. That's not the question. The question is, when there is a shaking going on, are you and I grateful that you, we have a kingdom that's been planted in us that we can put our feet on a rock and walk right through it together? powerfully get to experience that. And so it says worship because your God is a consuming fire. Love this description. goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. The Lord your God is a consuming fire. And so what does it look like to worship a God and be consumed with him? He's a consume, consumed by him and consumed with him, Right? And what's amazing, and I think this is what's amazing, because worship is great, and we get to do that in singing. And that's a great way to do it, but it certainly is not the only way. And what the author is actually going to try to say is real and authentic worship, to be consumed by this God, this consuming fire, is going to draw our hearts out to actually love and pour our lives out for the world around us. That true worship is gonna to begin to manifest in every relationship in our lives. And it's gonna call us up into some things. Why is that? Because hear this, God cares about people. God cares about people. We got a bajillion things going on in our lives. Do we not? We got lots of stuff going on. All right, we got holidays coming up and parties, all this great. There's all great things. It's all awesome. It's great. But can we just like for two seconds take a step back and go, what does God actually really care about? And what do we see over and over and over and over in the scripture? What does he care about? He cares about people. 
He cares about those that are made in his image coming into his family and being with him forever. And so this author gets to turn and he says, there's something that happens when the gospel penetrates our hearts in real and deep ways. There's something that begins to shift and we start to care about the things that God cares about. We start to turn our eyes on the things that mean something to God. And so the worship of God is the beginning of the letting go of all of the things that we so often feel desperate to hold on to and say, no, those things aren't important. What's actually important is what is in your heart. What's actually important is what is stirring in you, meaning you and I get consumed with the thing that the consuming fire has in him. Does that make sense? That there's a consuming and a burning in us from the one who is burning in us, right? And if that, that consuming fire, if God's a consuming fire and he's made his home in here and he's burning and blazing inside, then something starts to change in here and we start to burn and blaze for the thing that's in God's heart. And our hearts and our minds start to shift and change. And so as we get to see, he says, all right, let your heart bring this king in. You got a kingdom that can't be shaken. Be glad and be ready. He's a consuming fire. He's shifting. He's changing. And then what does he do? And I love, by the way, if you look at your Bibles, um, it, it gives us the, uh, chap the chapters and verses. We all know that's not how the letters were written. It was just a letter that was written. We do the chapters and verses to make it easy on us to find stuff, right? So if you took all, if you could just look back at your Bibles real quick and take out, if you can, just like blind yourself somehow supernaturally to the numbers, just real quick, okay? Like chapter 13 doesn't exist and verse one, that doesn't exist. I mean, it it exists, but just the numbers are not there. You get what I'm saying here? Can y'all do this with me? We'll fake like you can do this with me, okay? All right, take out the brakes, read so plainly. Let us be grateful for a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer acceptable worship to God, meaning God's a fire. What burns in his veins burns in our veins. And then he just says, then let, love, let brotherly love continue. Meaning this, he's going, Let's be, let us be grateful let us offer worship to God. And then what does he turn? He said, what does it look like? Let us love people. I love people. I'm burning for people. I want their hearts. I want their souls. I want them in my family. Let brotherly love continue. God cares about people. Part of our worship, part of this thing that cannot be shaken is how we live out these interconnected relationships that God has granted to each one of us, every one of us has these powerful relationships, both near and some far, people that you know, people that you don't know yet, but there's this calling to love what he loves. And so the question is, well, how does that, what does that look like? What does that look like to live out the fullness of these relationships? And he's going to just unpack for us very clearly what it begins to look like in our lives. Here's what he's going to say. Number one, the unshaken kingdom in us cares for each other. If you have the unshaken kingdom, the thing that's powerful and alive, God's saying, listen, I'm building a family. I'm building a people. There's a reason 
that we talk about each other as brother and sister. Love to use that language all the time. What's up, brother? I just have them brothers. I love my brother. I got, I, got a, I got a flesh and blood brother. He's awesome. And I would just like to have more of those, okay? That's, how, that's where God's heart is. Brothers and sisters, this thing that God's creating, that he's building. And I, want, yeah, I hope you feel this for just a moment, but gosh, this has to be more than just coming to hear sermons and sing songs. Can we just agree with that? I, I know that this has to be more, this, I'm, I'm talking about what we're doing here. I know this actually has to be more than good sermons and good songs. Why? Because, and I might just be like tipping my hat here, but there are amazing sermons on your phone anytime you want. Like if you want an amazing sermon, there are preachers out there and preach circles around me. Not many, but there are a few. <laughs> that can, listen, if you just need good sermons, just pull it up on the phone, you listen to it. This has to be something more than that, doesn't it? It has to be. If you need good music, I mean, Spence, that guy's on fire, all right? He's great. We love Spence, right? And the whole team, all of them, great. If you need good music, just pull it up on your phone. There's something else God's trying to do, our gathering. There's something else that he's trying to accomplish. You and I need brothers and sisters. We're meant to be actually in a community where we're caring for each other, where all of a sudden we become this different kind of family. I'm loving the family that God's building here, and he gets to do it all over the place. I just love the one that he's building here. I'm th I thank God I have so many friends that are running churches here in town. Thank God for all of them. I just love what God's doing here. And I love the relationships that are being built. Yesterday, my, I mean, we had to be split. And we were in, my, I, my daughter was at a game, and, and my son had a game. They were completely different cities. And Scott and Tracy Landon came and watched my son play. And we've known them for a little while. But I just love, what they've done, they've adopted my kids. They adopted my kids, and they come watch basketball games. And let me tell you, there might be like better things to do at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. I'm just gonna be honest with you, but not to me. Four o'clock on Saturday watching my son play ball, that's like the best. And when there's other people that go, well, we think that's the best too, and we're gonna do that with you, man, that's powerful. And you guys that have kids, you know how amazing it is when someone else like loves on your kids. You're like, well, you're an angel. I mean, like, because you know, you see so much design and purpose in your own kid's life. You see such like calling. It's just amazing when someone else goes, oh, we see that too. And then they're willing to speak that over them. It's like, oh my gosh, church. This has to be what this thing is about. When he says, this is what it means to worship, right? To have lives of worship, it's, 
It's yes, on the floor and lifting our hands and singing music and songs. It absolutely is that. But it also just has to be like, let brotherly love like rise up and let's care for each other. We talk all the time about small groups, but all we're really trying to do is just get together to pray for each other and love each other and care for each other and open up the Bible and put it in our soul and grow and, care and, and continue to move forward. This has to be more than showing up here just on a Sunday. We come here to get stirred, but it has to be more than that. The kingdom of God that cannot be shaken isn't going to be played out in any other place. The church is the place it's going to be played out. Everything is going to be shaken. You can hope, you can put your hope in the polit political sphere to fix all the things. You're just going to keep waiting. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't vote, pray, and ask God to put godly people in office. I'm saying if you're looking for the thing to work out for you, it's just, it's, it can be shaken. This is it. Look around you. A whole bunch of people hosting the powerful presence of God, caring for each other. So it can't be shaken. So let's do that together. So we love each other in the family, but then we get to love each other. We get to love people outside of the family. What he says is, well, there's an unshaken kingdom that's in us that cares for those who have need, who are on the outside. It says, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. What a word. That's just a little uncomfortable. Get it a little uncomfortable? Strangers are strangers, right? You spend like half your life telling your kids, you stay away from those people, right? You know what I'm saying? But you kind of like, well, God kind of loves those people too. So I don't know, what does it look like for us to love the people that we don't know? I'm not, I'm not trying to, <laughs> to encourage you to find the craziest lunatic and ask them to, over for brunch. But I am saying, right? I'm saying God cares about these people. That part of our authentic worship with this consuming fire that's in us is like God's loving these people. So what does it look like to care for people? Who do you need to invite to coffee? Who do you need to invite to come here and be a part of this? Real worship just cares about those who are out on the outside to bring them into the family and just say, come on, come be a part of this. It's about saying, I'm willing to dive in and care about people, people I might not even know. This afternoon, we're gonna love on strangers. We're gonna care for strangers. We're probably never gonna meet them. Very likely we'll never meet. Well, we will, but it'll be in heaven. And they're going to be like, dude, thank you for that soccer ball. That was amazing. That's going to be a cool conversation. This is what it means. This is powerful, right? Everything we're doing in the here and now echoes for forever. This life matters. So we care for strangers. We pack boxes and we put up trees and we get excited to celebrate. That's what we're meant and called to do. It says, remember those, verse three, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, like meaning care, those who were mistreated since you were also 
uh, you also are in the body, meaning there's just those that we can't invite. And so we just think and we care and we pray for. In fact, I'm, I'm so excited, by the way, uh, at the beginning of the new year, right after the new year, we're gathering everybody together, I think on one of the Sunday nights, and we're just so excited about talking about what God has put in our heart for our partnerships for the future. We have so many uh, people groups we want to begin to touch people's lives, those that have been downtrodden, uh, uh, orphans, widows, um, those have been trafficked. I mean, we're very excited about the partnerships we're going to have to care for and ways that we can jump into people's lives. We might never get to meet them, but we're going to jump in and care for people. We're excited about sharing that with you in the days to come. It's a part of what it means to be a part of an unshakable kingdom. Something changes and we go, because listen, isn't the world just saying, make sure you're okay? Isn't the world just constantly saying, just make sure you're okay, make sure you're okay, make sure you're okay, make sure you're okay. And what this gospel says is, no, 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 no. My God's going to make sure I'm okay. So I'm going to burn for the things that he burns for, and I'm going to trust him. Powerful. And then he turns and he says, I, I care about the family. Now, I love this because he says the unsha unshaken kingdom in us cares about covenant because that's who our God is. There's something deeply, deeply important to God. And he wants to make sure that we understand it. And that is this. God will never, ever, 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 ever walk out on you. He won't do it. He'll never say to you, I'd love to be intermingled with you, but I'm not going to be committed to you. He won't ever say that. God's not one who says, listen, I'm okay if we kind of do this dance, but if you don't make me happy, if you're not attractive enough or obedient enough or funny enough, I'm gone. God never, ever, ever does that. He is dead serious about covenant, meaning in this relationship you have with him, he's not going anywhere. On your darkest day, on your most broken moment, he's dialed in fully and not going anywhere. He's deeply serious about that. You're not a, hear this, you're not a plaything to God. He is serious about you. He's not, you're not something for him to enjoy until he's bored. God's serious about covenant. That's why, hear this, that is why marriage and the marriage bed are so important to God. That's why he talks about it all throughout the scripture. Because marriage and the marriage bed are about covenant. It's about covenant. It's about a God who says, I don't flirt and then leave. I stay dialed in. Verse four, let marriage be held where? In honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Which, just bring clarity to what that means to keep it undefiled. He wants to say, listen, sexually immoral is I want, it, it, sexually immorality is the idea that I want to have deep intimacy 
with you, to enjoy you, but I'm not willing to commit to you. It's sexual relationships outside of a marriage covenant. And then he says adultery, which is, I was committed to you, but you're not worth being committed to any longer. That's adultery. So he gives us these two pictures of covenant breaking. And he says, listen, it's important to me. Why? Because marriage is the best picture that we have on this earth of what it means to be in covenant with God. Marriage is the best shadow. We have, now listen, have we all done it incredibly imperfectly? Yeah, I have yet to meet anyone that's got the perfect marriage. I mean, I'm seeking and searching, having lots of conversations. No one's got it. No one does it perfect. But God's serious about it. And he's so clear about his desire in calling us up and saying, hey, I care about this picture that I created. By the way, God created marriage and sex. And he says, I care about this picture. And there's one way that I want this thing, this gift that I've given to go, and it is in a covenant union, one man and one woman, and that's it. To which I, I know that you would say, um, man, I don't know if you know this, but it's 2022, and that's incredibly outdated. And it's incredibly stringent. It's incredibly heavy. To which I would just say one. If you understand, this scripture was written in first century Greece and Rome. Can I tell you, if this scripture and this content, this truth has been outdated from the get-go, okay? The kind of sexuality that was happening in the first century all right, and all of the, the nations, all of the territories, all of the regions that was going on uh, would blow away anything that you and I see happening in the world today. Hear this, blow it away. You understand this idea of covenant was radical and has been radical from the get-go because, hear this, yes, sex is great and it's got great pleasure and if you're married, party, okay? All right? I know, she's like, man, it's just, talking about sex in church is either really cool or just really horrible. I know, all right, I get it. Okay? It's great. It's great for life. But tell me, hear this. This thing was created to talk about covenant. This thing was created to show covenant. One man, one woman coming together. And this is a part, hear this, it's a part of our worship to God. Because what it says, what it's really about is this. I'm committed to you no matter what. On your worst day, on your most frustrating moment, we might have to take a walk apart, but I'm not going anywhere. That's what intimacy is about. That's what the marriage bed is actually about. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm for you. And that's what God is pointing to here in this scripture. And why it hurts God's heart for sex to operate outside, anywhere outside of this marriage covenant between one man 
and one woman. And I can promise you, God's sexual ethic has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with what's acceptable in the moment. It is about calling you and I up into fullness of life. God's not trying to reign on our party. He's trying to call us up into the heavenlies with him, believing and, and, and loving and treasuring covenant. Now, let me just say this. If you have been broken in this area of life, because most people have in some way, shape, or form, here's what the Lord would say. One, my arms are wide open. If you've been broken in this area, come and be restored and be healed and be set free and be given new and fresh life. And two, would you trust me and let's begin to walk faithfully in what I've called you to now, today. That's it. If you've been broken in this area of your life, then this is an opportunity to say, okay, Lord, I'm giving, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving this over to you. Here's my brokenness. Here's my shame. Here's my guilt. Here's where I have fallen short and I'm giving it to you. Would you ha ha have me? And what, you know what Jesus says? Absolutely. Absolutely. I met very few people that haven't been broken in some way in human sexuality. That's the truth. We all have been broken by it, but we get to come with our hands open and get restored, don't we? It, what's the gospel? I was broken and God gave me life. Why? Because he's in a covenant. He's a covenant-keeping God. And so he calls us to stay in covenant, and that'll be the word on that. You can come up, Luke. And then as if uh, touching on the issue of sex weren't uh, uncomfortable enough, he just wants to put his finger on money too. <laughs> By the way, it's just like, all right, if you want real worship to rise up, it's like, we're gonna love each other. We're gonna love people that are outside the family. We're gonna do covenant rightly because God's a covenant-keeping God. And oh, by the way, money speaks so deeply to what we treasure and worship. And the truth is, I actually love what he points to. Man, the Bible's so good. The Bible's so stinking good. Look at this, verse five. Keep your life free from the love of money. I'm not saying you can't have money. What he's saying is keep your life free from loving this thing and be content with what you have, which is like for American, like you're, well, you're asking for a miracle, to which God says, well, I can do miracles. <laughs> but here's what he says. Here's my his response. And I think this just sums up who God is and how powerful. Here's what he says. Because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. What is he pointing at? What is he put, put, pointing at here? He's saying, hey, what the, your, the thing that we have with money is really about not being alone. It's actually about security. It's actually about like wholeness. And we think that if we can get enough stuff, we'll be okay and whole. And the Lord just wants to go, well, you can keep getting this stuff, but it's not going to fix the thing. And I want you to know, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And it frees us. And we don't have to pretend like money isn't an important thing. He's just saying, don't let your heart hunger for it to fill the hole. And so we can wrestle through all those things. God, I don't know how I'm going to get through the next month or whatever. Many people have been there. So God's not saying it's not important to him. What he's saying is, will you trust me? No, don't love it. 
Love my presence. That's what he's saying. The unshaken kingdom in us cares deeply about the presence of God. We care about God's presence. And so, verse six, we can confidently say, listen, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. What can man do to me? Man's got nothing on me. Man, how free is that? Listen, could you, I don't know if you read that scripture and just go, man, that's what it means to be free right there. What can man do to me? You can take my life, you can take my dollars, but you cannot take the kingdom that cannot be shaken from me. And that's our promise. You guys stand. I'm just gonna finish right here. Would you just, uh, if you feel comfortable, open up your hands just to, again, receive. We're gonna be, we're just gonna take this step here. We're gonna be grateful to, you don't have to do this, by the way, but if you feel comfortable, do this. Lord, we right now receive the kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm, I'm being built up right now. Build me up right now. Just ask him, build me up. Build my life. A kingdom that cannot be shaken, Lord. Not afraid of the days ahead. Not afraid of what the world says. Not afraid of persecution. I'm not afraid. I'm gonna trust you. Fill me up right now. Fill me again. Holy Spirit, it's your dominion, it's your place, it's your palace, our hearts, our lives. And would you just give to him as your hands are open? Would you just give to him anything that you're put, you've put your hope in? I need this thing to be okay. I'm scared. I have fear. I'm lonely. I feel sad. I'm carrying shame or I'm carrying guilt. Would you just offer that to him? Any of those things you've got right now. Your hands are open. It's his. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. God the Father, you sent your one and only Son to come and remove our shame and guilt, our loneliness and sadness, our pain, our hurts, our disappointments. We give them all to you. We release them all this morning and we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I see even now men and women, young and old, who are people filled with your presence who cannot be, sh be shaken because your kingdom cannot be shaken. I ask God that you would let us go in power and might today, in confidence, unafraid of the days ahead. There is nothing that can be shaken in you and we have you. So may we walk in the fullness of it today. We ask in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. We'll have some prayer partners that would love to pray with you this morning. If you got anything going on in your world, I'm gonna pray a benediction as we go. Let us pray with you. We're a praying church. We pray with each other. Grab somebody in your small group. Let's connect, pray. If you wanna party, go out there. If you wanna pray or hang, hang in here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you the peace you so desperately desire. Come from him. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Blessings. Love you guys. We'll see you.